There's a good crowd. I like it. Bunch of happy faces, right? Awesome. Praise God. God is so good. We are so blessed to be in this ministry, a place where God really helps us grow up in him into the maturity of Christ. And we all have to grow up in that. Sheila did a great job last week with a lesson where she talked about how to rely, rest, and remain in the Lord. Because that's part of what we have to go through. We have to be able to rely on him, rest in him, and remain in him. And one of the things she kept saying um, was she talked about the verse that says, faith works through love. How many times have we heard that? Faith works through love. Faith works through love. We hear that all the time. And so we are so blessed to know that we're in a ministry where faith is being taught how to work through love. And it's so important. Um, Can you put up, Todd, Galatians 5, 6. I don't even know what title to have for this message. So at the end, if anybody wants to name it, just let Todd know what the name is. I don't do good with names on titles of lessons. But this is awesome. This is going to be a good lesson. The Lord had been marinating this lesson into me for about a couple weeks now. And every day that I would get a good morning in, like an extra long, extra hours, He would just lay on another layer, lay on another layer. And it just gets you so excited because this ministry actually does what we're going to, what we're teaching tonight. It actually helps people grow up into this maturity. Galatians 5, 6, 4. Oh, and can you do everything? The New King's James, the New King. What's this one? Is that what it is? Okay. (laughs) It is really different sometimes when I read my different Bibles. So I got to stick with the one I guess I got most of the revelation in. So, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Now, I think this is important to know because when they talk about for in Christ, Jesus, Christ Jesus, there is neither a circumcision nor an uncircumcision that avails much. That means there is nothing that we can do in the physical to our body, to things, to make us be able to have faith that works through love. There is no, hey, when I raised Rachel in the Episcopal Church, I raised her to take the, uh, what class was that? Catechism class. A class that was supposed to prepare her to be mature in Christ. But all it was was a checklist that if we wanted to stay into that church, that in that checklist, that would be exactly what she needed to have to stay an official membership stamped and approved she would have had all the things she would have done that would availeth much in the Episcopal Church. But in Christ, it means what? Nothing. It means nothing. He says, but faith works through love. Well, here's a strong thing. Because faith, we have to remember that faith in Christ Jesus is Jesus' salvation for our soul. That's what we have faith in. We have to have faith in the fact that Jesus... Is the music still playing? Okay. We have to have faith that in Christ Jesus, that there is a salvation for our soul. When you see this soul chart and it says functions of the soul, right underneath it says working out your salvation. We are all called to work out our salvation with Christ Jesus. We are supposed to do that. Faith in Christ Jesus is the salvation for our soul. But then it says, I love there's another version that says expressing itself through love. So there is a salvation, working out our salvation, that has to be expressing itself through love. And itself is Christ Jesus. 
through our love for Christ. The more we, we are called to go to different elevations. From the time we're born to the time we pass and go to heaven, we're to keep growing. I said in sonship, a bride, this ministry is about washing the bride. And the bride starts here at the end of the aisle. She's holding her flowers. She's got everything together. And she is now working towards her what? Wedding day. The day she becomes a spotless bride and she has to step one step down the aisle and keep growing in a different elevation till she reaches the maturity, the victory of Christ, which is a spotless bride. This ministry, we have a sonship book that is so awesome because in the sonship book, we even mention, which is awesome, in the beginning, it says, Kingdom Life Ministries is a life center to help mature the bride of Christ. Jesus claims his bride after she has made herself ready for him. Well, the only way we can make ourselves ready for him is growing up in Christ, recognizing we have to work out the salvation of our soul through the love for Christ and God, knowing that God really loves us, knowing that we have to pursue love towards him. We have to know, we know, we know he really loves us. Now, I want an honest opinion. Since you've walked in this door, that's just some people have been here a long time. How many people ever walked in here really, 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 really believing 120, 200% that Christ really loves you? You never had a doubt. That's right. That's right. We all have, we, we have doubts. As we grow, we start, hey, how many times people get married, they start at the end, and they know they have to get up to the, and they're scared, right? Because we don't, we don't trust easily. We talked about it in Soul Shifters, about trust is a hard thing, trust in Christ, knowing that the Father really loves you. When people come in here, they come in lost, void, and then they have what? They, they get born again. But then there's still the residue that is around that regenerated spirit that help, that makes you doubt. Does God really love me? Is God really in this? And we have a list. It's called the eight evidences of conversion in Christ Jesus, the salvation of our soul. And in the eight evidences, we talk about how do you know you have truly experienced a conversion in Christ? How do you know that you are really living as Jesus as your Lord? Well, in our, if anybody wants to, I'm selling, I'm selling sonship tonight too. Yeah, I'm selling a lot of soul shifters tonight and a lot of sonship all in one. Well, in our manual, it tells us that there are eight evidences of conversion. And I'm not going to go all of them, but I'm going to hit the one I want to talk about tonight. There is one we are going to talk about tonight. The first one is you have to know which kingdom are you in. Are you in the kingdom of light or are you in the kingdom of darkness. Now, if you're lost and you don't know, and you really don't know, well, then you're living in the kingdom of darkness. When you've accepted Christ in your heart and you confessed him as your Lord, and you knew he was the son of God and he was resurrected back up, you now live in the kingdom of what? Light. You live in the kingdom of love. You live in a kingdom. Now you have to learn how to grow up in that kingdom. The second thing is, as you're walking down this aisle for your maturity, you have to know that you walk by the witness of the Holy Spirit. You have to start at this end and know that you are creating a relationship with the Holy Spirit, the guarantee, the one who really knows. But he also knows you can't really hear him unless you're renewing your mind. You have to renew the soul. But the third thing on the list, and if anybody wants the tape for the other eight, 
There's a great tape out. <laughs> you can get it. Sheila loved it. It was all good. You guys can get that. But number three is what we're going to talk about. How does somebody know an evidence that they truly have converted and not just accepted Christ in us, now they're living for him. They're walking into the maturity of him. Well, the third one on the list says that that means that there would be no condemnation and no guilt in your soul. There'll be no condemnation. There'll be no guilt. There is a confidence that as you step one step at a time toward your victory as the spotless bride, that as your soul gets saved day by day, word by word, that there is no condemnation and that there is no, no condemnation nor guilt. Now, that's a hard one because when you're stepping there and you're walking this out, you don't necessarily believe that. Because why? In time. I loved it when the Lord gave me this. It's written in my Bible. And I use it all the time because it's just so powerful because it came from the Spirit. It says, only time is capable of understanding how valuable love is. God placed time in the universe as a vehicle for patience. Patience perfects love. Perfected love is understanding. As we start our journey of conversion, we're growing in the understanding, the knowledge of Christ. And we're experiencing those changes in our soul, working out our salvation to be delivered, to be delivered from sin, in our sin. Now, if you feel condemnation and you feel guilt on things, then usually you're fearful of the consequences of your sin, whether past, whether present, whether future. Because even when we accept Christ in our heart, we're still learning. Our soul is still being renewed day by day to know the truth, live in the truth, and walk it out. All right? So our soul, this is so beautiful. Our soul, when you read the New Testament from the Old Testament, our soul is the New Testament garden. Our soul is a piece of land. This is a piece of property to God. All right? Our spirit is already his. When we accept him in our Christ and our regenerated spirit already is reconciled back to God. But now he says the next step is being reconciled back to man, then to your plan, then the receiving of the promises. All right. You know, the church out there, people have just stopped at the receiving of the spirit. They haven't learned how to truly work through the salvation of their soul. Our soul is the New Testament garden, a land to be restored by our reconciliation through God, man, plan, and the promise. Our soul is a land in the word. When we come and we start there at that line, our soul, I love how this says it. It says, our soul is a land, okay, to be restored. But it says, our soul is a land laid to waste without Christ. It is a land laid to waste. Our, our mind, before we come in and we're, we're really being converted and living for God, we're thinking about what we have to do for our job. We're thinking about how much money we have to earn. We're thinking about how am I going to get this? How am I going to get to do me, 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 more, 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 right? And you're trying to think, and everybody's judging you. How successful will you be? What are you going to do with that? Oh, you don't want anybody to know this because that would be what? Embarrassing because we're living up to a world standard where the world lives in condemnation. There is nobody who's going to live in the world and not get away from the feelings of condemnation. So it says in Joel, if you can put up Joel chapter 1, 2 through 4, 
There our soul is laid, it's a land laid to waste. If our soul is a land to be possessed by Christ, then it is inhabited, the word says, by locusts. All right, this is really kind of cool. And it says, hear this, you elders. Give ear, all you inhabitants of the land. Now this is so cute because I put these little dots on the soul because these are little inhabitants of the land that live in our soul. You see all these little things? I don't know if you want to finish it, Paige, because there's a lot. Do you know what I mean? We, because unforgiveness, shame, rejection, I have every spot for every, for every jealousy, envy, all the spots. So do you want to come up and finish it? That'd be great. Here is my helper, Paige. She's going to come up and help me. All right, it says, So give ear all you inhabitants of the land. The moment God speaks, these are the inhabitants of the land. Believe it or not, they can hear. They can hear. When you step into a place like this, it's funny. We watch people. They look around. What's happening? The inhabitants of their land is starting to tremble. Because they're sensing they're in some place they've never been before, all right? It says, or even the days of your father, tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children and their children, other generations. What the chewing locust, just put four up, please. Just leave four. There we go. Actually, I think it's four and, yeah, four. It says, what the chewing locust left, the swarming locust has eaten, what the swarming locust left, the crawling locust has eaten. And what the crawling locust left, the consuming locust has eaten. Now, this is interesting because our soul has, is a land. And sometimes we have locusts that inhabit it. The locust that represents our thoughts, thoughts that are not in Christ, that are from the enemy, thoughts of unforgiveness, thoughts of shame, thoughts of rejection, thoughts of hate, thoughts of condemnation, and thoughts of guilt. So first thing you heard is, one, I love this, chew, the first thing the locust does, it does what? It chews on your mind, okay? When you start getting close to love, light, and truth, the word of God, worship of God, and you step into a place where it's your appointed time for enlightenment of what Christ is all about, these little things start shaking. And I like it, and the first thing that happens to them all is they all start to chew. They're just moving, but they're gnawing. They're gnawing. We know that when we walk in, our intellect starts reasoning with the new environment we're in, right? Because we're comparing it to all the old environments that we've been in. The second, now, as you start getting closer and moving, there is a swarming in your soul. Go ahead and put up the cute little, put my cute little, my cute little look is up. I have a cute little look, the cute one. It's green. It's all green. Okay. Isn't that cute? But when it, I'm, this is so cute. These all move. Our dark spots, they move. They're always in motion. They're always looking for their angle. They're always looking for what to say, what to be. And they're also smart enough. They also know when not to talk. <laughs> they know, because you know what? They have to submit to the authority of Christ. They have to, so when you walk into a place that there is real authority, you watch yourself, what? Your mind's going crazy, right? There's a little chewing going on, and then all of a sudden there's a what? A little swarm, a stirring, something starts stirring in your mind. I love it. The Holy Spirit has come to help us, because when we get in a place like this, the stirring is going on. 
The third step, if you don't know what you're to do with it, then it really does get to where it's a crawling locust. It's a hopping locust. Because that means, that means now your words are all about talking about it. You actually now aren't holding on to the storm. You're actually doing what? Speaking it out. You're calling it out. You're talking to people. You're telling people, this is crazy. You are, you are experiencing an intense compression. And it says, the consuming, I like it, the crawling and the hopping locust, you actually start passing on to another. Now, come on. You don't have to raise your hands because I know the answer is yes. How many people pick up the phone and find somebody to gossip to about all your experiences? Right? You're telling your opinion. You're working out your own words. You're putting it out there to what you think, what you feel, and what you experienced. And it's not always positive because we're always taught to have an opinion. We're taught to evaluate strengths, weaknesses, where something's going. Is this right? And guess what? Usually in the United States, we're already taught to put ourselves on top. So we're already thinking how much better are we than that? Okay? Or what we experience or what our understanding is. So it says the consuming, this is what happens if you don't know what to even do when you come into this ministry, before you even come near, it starts to consume you. It starts to consume people. It starts to, in the advancement in Christ and the kingdom of life, your quality of life is miserable. You actually live in the feelings of torment. You feel tormented by those swarms and those swirls. How many people are identifying with this? Okay, praise God. That is the, I call, I'm going to call them the locusts. And you know what? Even to go next thing, locust is a bug, right? Oh, do we have his picture? This is awesome. That looks really innocent, doesn't it? looks very innocent. But the most powerful thing about a locust, I'm going to give you some facts about locusts. Locust is a bug. It works. What? What do you say? Oh, okay. It works. It's, this bug looks innocent. It looks like its work is innocent. It looks like it's enjoying itself on the leaf. But when blown by the wind they can cause extensive damage to our crops. Remember, this is a land. This is a field. We have four fields in here. I got intellect, will and choice, fears and emotions, and affections. And it's awesome how there can be extensive damage to our souls as the locusts possess our mind, as they possess our heart. And what are they there to possess? The love in your life, the peace in your life, and the joy in your life. All right, everybody has them. Here's some other facts. Do you know a locust that they can't direct their own way? The actual animal of a locust, it can't tell which way to go. The only way it knows how to move is by the wind. So the wind moves it. It has, it has no intellectual brain to decide which way to go. It can only move by the wind. Second fact, I love this. I thought this was cruel. They actually increase their population really fast. <laughs> so there's lots of quick reproduction going on there. And when they are not controlled by man, they can explode into a mass population. So locusts are things that have to be controlled. We control them. What do we do? There's in the summertime, bug, bug things go by with insecticides and stuff like that. So they can't, even, they can't even control their population. They start hanging, they start growing. And when they start growing, the mass, the swarm goes wherever the wind sends it. 
Do you know that our voice gives wind to where something goes? So if we've got some serious locusts in our head and they are seriously swarming, we just back up and we give it what? Direction. We actually give that locust direction because why? We have the authority to do that. Whether it's a thought of God or whether it's a thought of darkness. Isn't that powerful? I love God's word tells us the whole lineup. It says in the mass, when it gets in a mass, that means look at this. There's a lot of locusts. If we pull them all in there, you could make this whole circle almost dark. Except for in the center is the spirit. See when I cut it out? I love it. This is the little hole the spirit has to work through to possess the soul. All right? So the poor, the, we've got to make our soul whole where it has to be. This hole has to get wider and wider and wider and wider to be whole. Okay? But if it has all this, this the center can't get what? It can't grow wider. It can't grow stronger. All right. Where's my paper? All right. That's cool. All right. So the mass, when the vast swarm, they actually migrate and they ex cause extensive damage to the crops, the soul, the trees, all the living plants of a field. If they're alive or dead, they'll still be eaten up. Think about that. We can get one word in our soul, right? And if we haven't, if we haven't identified our locusts, that, and that one locust could eat up just that one little seed that was planted. Isn't that powerful? God sent, this is so awesome, I'm going to back this up. Do you know God sent locusts all through the Bible two other times before the New Testament? He sent locusts to get people to get their mind towards God. All right? God sent a plague of locusts on the land of Egypt to point a leader's heart, Pharaoh's heart, towards God because he wanted him to release the Israelites. Go to Exodus 10, 12. I like this. He actually had to send, hey, also, do you have a picture of the swarm? Send a, show the picture of the swarm, what the swarm looks like. Look at that swarm. Those are real locusts. I looked that picture up. That is some real locusts. That is a swarm of locusts. Think about that, going to attack Egypt. Go ahead. Um, Exodus 10, 12. I like how God told Moses and said, I'm going to send a plague now. Because I need him to change his mind and release. But he knew he was going to keep sending things to, to Pharaoh because he wouldn't hear. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every herb of the land, all that the hail has left. Now, isn't that amazing? So like, even if we have seeds in here, but we have all these locusts, what are the locusts going to do? Eat them up. All right, next verse, go to Exodus 10, 15. Because remember, when we talk about the land in the Old Testament, apply it to the land of your New Testament garden, the soul. It says, for they covered the faith, the face of the whole earth, so that the land was darkened, and they ate every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees, which the hail had left. So there remained nothing green on the trees, or on the plants of the field throughout all the land of Egypt. Isn't that incredible? And God sent it just by bringing a what? A wind. Just by He called that command, and those locusts, they're innocent, right? They're just building up their time, and they only move on command of wind. Think about it. In our soul, our voice is the command of that wind. Go to Exodus 10, 19. But this is what's so awesome. What God will start he will finish. 
okay? He knows if you're in Christ, he can stop something right at the time he wants it to. He says, and the Lord turned. Now this is after the locusts came. Now the Lord turned a very strong west wind. First it was the east wind. Now it's the west wind, which took the locusts away and blew them into the Red Sea. There remained not one locust in all the territory of Egypt. Isn't that beautiful? That's where we want to be. We want our soul to be so renewed with the word of God that every, every locust gets blown away into the Red Sea. And there remained not one locust on this soul. How many people want that? Do you know what that means when we hit that point? When we hit that point, that means the wind of our voice is only pushing out the word of God. The wind of our voice is only edifying the body of Christ. The wind of our voice is, is, is moving people forward, advancing in the kingdom of God. The wind of our voice is keeping a focus of us on Jesus and the Father. And so that's where we want to get. We want to get where we get all this stuff moved out of us so that we can focus on what God has called us to do. The locust was sent to change Pharaoh's mind to do God's will. So that means we all, everybody in here, we all have locusts. We all have probably could identify some of the past. We probably can think of some now. And there's probably some that will be revealed later. Okay? Because God wants to change our thinking. When our soul is under attack from a locust, this is when he says, I'm going to remove the old and put in the new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 if anyone is in Christ, if anyone, all right? So God, he is no partiality of people. If you choose him, then he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become what? New. We don't even know how the soul feels without the locusts. We want to hold on to those locusts sometimes because it just feels good to stay in our patterns of complaining, stay in our pattern of depression, stay in our pattern of not getting ahead, staying in the wrong relationship, staying in the wrong job, not knowing what to do because we don't know how it feels. How many people can get on a complaining run? Whew, right? You can get on a run and keep going and keep going. You can pick something to complain about, but if you don't let it go, and give it to God, he might be able to reveal something to you about where your future is going. All right? God says, when I bring you into a next elevation, when he brings you into that next court of God, he can't bring you into a place where something hasn't been exchanged out. We have to give up a locust. Every time we walk down this aisle, we are losing locusts. Do you know what I mean? And you're losing more at one. You, you just don't lose one at a time. When I started learning, draw closer to him. That's a word, right? When I start draw nearer to him and he'll do what? Draw near to submit to God and do what? Resist the devil. The more I meditated on that, I would feel something leave my soul. And once I was tested, improved, and the word was planted, and it was grounded, and it was ready to produce his love, it moved out. Because to do what I was called to do, I couldn't have that locust moving in my mind. Okay, isn't that awesome? All right, so we are going to be these new creations. Old things pass away, and behold, all new things have become, all things have become new. Now, I like this. Another version says, the new life has begun. When you get a hold of this, that you have to renew the mind in a process, 
towards his victory where the spirit rules the soul so that anytime God tells you something, your soul doesn't question. It just what? It's obedient to the call. It says, I like this, the old is the locust. The new life has begun. That means this is going to be a process. Begun means in time. Like I read, only time is capable of understanding how valuable love is. Because the only way faith can move is through what? Love. It's the only thing. Time. There is no microwave renewing the mind ministry. We don't know. It is, I look at this like a CD player. Press my nose. The disc comes out. Right? Press my nose. Put the new disc in. You know what I'm saying? Like, we've got to switch out the disc. Do you know what I mean? And sometimes the discs are scratched. Yeah, they get stuck. And you can't hear the next word. Because why? There's a locust or something in it. It's infected. All right? So that's how I look at this. A little disc going out. All right. So... Now, I love this because God is going to really now, we're going to go into a segment of verses that he's, you are going to have to assess yourself about where you're at with condemnation. And as I walk through these, I want you to remember, you focus on you. I want you to clear your minds and you focus on where you're at. All right. Go ahead and put up, everybody knows this beautiful verse, John 3.16. John 3.16. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish and have everlasting life. So what does that mean? Everybody in here should know that if they believe, I remember when Gavin gave me that verse the first time, he just spit it right out. If you really believe in him, that you shall not what? perish. There, you should not perish. So right there, that gives us a word to hold on to, doesn't it? There is something in the brain when you're intellectually reasoning this, God has to, he wants you to reason with him and let you, and you have to start meditating that whoever believes in him shall not perish. He